0: Hey there, it's Meike here. So before we jump into today's very important conversation, I wanna let you know that this episode is sponsored by my ultimate podcast guesting workshop series. So if you're someone who wants to learn how you can send fewer pitches and yet still manage to guest on more beautifully aligned podcasts to grow your business and build some pretty amazing relationships along the way, this workshop series is for you. This is an on-demand workshop, meaning that so long as it's in existence, you can access it 24-7, 365 days out of the year. Now, at the time of this recording, I want to let you know that there's a very small window of opportunity for you to join as an early bird. So one early bird entails means that you manage to access it at a never-to-be-repeated-again price point, and you'll also get access to a bonus Q&A call that I'm going to host in early May of 2021. So if you want to join at the early bird, be sure to check out the link in the show notes where you have access to that information right there and then. And I want to let you know that the early bird actually finishes on the 1st of May, 9pm British summertime. Okay, so after that early bird period has finished, you can absolutely still access the workshop. It's just going to be a regular bird? Is that what they call it? (laughs) There's early bird and bird yeah I think it's just bird pricing why is it birds why not a chameleon I I don't know anyway (laughs) I am rambling now so all of that information is going to be in the link in the description box below in the show notes and I look forward to seeing you over there if podcast guesting is something that you want to really take on for 2021 and beyond Alrighty, back to the show Hello my lovelies, this is May Kay Sang, your podcast guesting strategist and mentor, cat lover, and the proud host of the Quiet Rebels podcast. This is the place for experts on the rise who are finally ready to stop playing small and to start showing up as the leader they've always been. And contrary to what you might think, you don't have to be the loudest person in the room in order to be heard. You've always been the type to see things differently, and you've always chosen another pathway if the one laid out in front of you just doesn't align with your way of life. You're not alone in this. So to help you on your journey, I'm bringing conscious conversations to the table with myself and guest experts who will help you with the inner work that needs to be done in order to make a positive impact on the world with what you do. I see you. And now it's time to hear you, my friend. So please welcome to The Quiet Rebellion. Hey there, so I just wanted to jump in very quickly before we start and say, please do take care of yourself if you're choosing to listen to this episode because as you may be able to tell from the episode title, we are going to be talking about trauma today. We touch on themes such as sexual abuse, Violence, kidnapping, miscarriage, racism, and more. And just in case there are any of those that are particularly triggering for you, please do take extra care of yourself and feel free to stop listening anytime it makes you feel uncomfortable. You can go back anytime or if you choose not to listen through the rest of the interview, that's okay too. So please do take extra care of yourself, listen to your body, and just do... Be extra loving for yourself today. Okay? All right, let's jump in. Hello, my wonderful Quiet Rebels. This conversation today is much needed in our current social climate, and it's always, always going to be relevant. But I am so honored by my guest today. She is a dear friend of mine, and she's actually my new mentor as well. And she's come on to the Quiet Ripples podcast today to speak with us about trauma sensitive education and how that can be just as exciting as a six figure launch because nothing is sexier than safe. So I want to bring to the virtual stage Lisa Kuzman. So, Lisa, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Hey, Meike, thank you so much for having me. It's really an exciting honor. Glad to be here.
0: Yes. All right. So, oh, like right out from the gate, like as soon as people hear the word trauma, it can bring up a lot of things. And. So I I would love to hear from you how you got into this work and why is this your core work now? Because I know from, you know, our private conversations that it took you some time to get to this point to really own this space, especially applying it to the coaching industry. Mm. And for anyone who's not a coach listening to this, this is something that applies to us all, even if you're not a coach, because the themes we're going to discuss here is about how to be aware of other people's traumas and how we can hold them in a truly safe space.
1: Mm, Yeah. Thank you so much. What's interesting about my journey is that it really is a full circle one. I started as a clinical social worker focusing on geriatrics and end-of-life care. So I've always worked with people dealing with grief, loss, and trauma. And um, transitioning out of the social work world I, I didn't I wasn't thinking about things through that lens because I was an excited brand new entrepreneur and coach. And after having been in entrepreneurship for three years, what I realized is that there were things about how I was being impacted in my business. and the way I had to do things so that they quote unquote worked. Right. Because there's all sorts of stuff around strategy and what works and what makes you money. Right. So as an entrepreneur, because I didn't have a background in business, I, I started consuming all the things around how to do it and be successful. And what I bumped up against was there were things that impacted me really intensely that didn't seem to be problematic for other entrepreneurs. And I internalized that as there's something wrong with me. I don't know how to run a business. Uh, I'm not going to be a successful entrepreneur. And what I found... Through going through and doing more trauma healing therapy. So, I specifically did two rounds of EMDR. And EMDR is a specific modality that therapists use to assist people with reprocessing challenging memories so that they don't have the same um, emotional impact and that I or whoever does the therapy can leave um, at the end having less disruption when they become triggered. Um, And so this was also the period of time that I learned that I have PTSD, which I didn't realize I had. Working with veterans in the VA system um, was actually the first time being around uh, guys that had, had PTSD from their combat, where I started realizing like, oh, huh, that happens to me too but for entirely different reasons, right? And it wasn't until I made this connection doing therapy and noticing the way that I was talking about certain things in my business, in my therapy sessions and how it was all connected. And so once I realized that the quote unquote problem for me that I was bumping up against in business had to do with my PTSD response and the high risk threshold of entrepreneurship and the way that stirred stuff up for me, And I started shifting how I was taking care of myself, shifting how I was doing work, shifting how I was identifying what I needed and making requests based on those requirements. Everything in my business changed. And I started realizing that there wasn't anything wrong with me. I just needed an entirely different approach to doing my work in the world because of the fact that I have a significant history of trauma. And then I started noticing this everywhere. It was like I flipped on the lights, and all of a sudden everything was illuminated. And I really—I mean, women especially uh, have have a higher incidence of trauma. I mean, everybody experiences trauma. Um, But a lot of uh, women in business, I realized maybe having those same blocks as I was and trying to get their message out in the world, like their magic out into the world. And I started thinking, we have to talk about this and like all the time. So I made a huge pivot because to me, this feels like a great way to honor people and to support them with getting their magic out into the world by shining a light on the unique intersection between trauma history, leadership, and entrepreneurship.
0: Oh so much Mm, like that I don't even have a word just (laughs) and thank you for sharing all of that and uh, you know for being very transparent and vulnerable with your own journey um, especially as a leader and um, there are so many questions I want to want that I want to ask you but I think what's important for us to start with is to understand what trauma actually is because you know, I think a lot of people have this idea that trauma needs to reach a certain criteria of distress, um, you know, or upheaval in order to feel qualified to to say that they have trauma. So could you share that the, the, you know, what trauma actually is? Because you said so yourself, like everybody like can experience trauma and probably do, but they probably have, dismiss themselves like when they see or hear someone else's stories like oh they had it worse than me maybe I don't have trauma but they do so you know just kind of like can you share you know shed some light on that because I think that's really important to start with
1: yeah so what's really interesting about trauma is that no two people are going to experience any singular event in the same way and our experiences over the course of time can build and uh, potentially predispose us to things having an impact in a way that they may not for other people. So one of the things that we think about, like a handful of things that we think about when we think about traumatic events, car accidents, um, assault, domestic violence, uh, being the survivor of a suicide. Um, those are things that may be considered traumatic where people might identify them but some of there's other things that we can experience like one of the things for me is i moved around a lot as a kid so there was a lot of lack of stability and regularity in my home life and that is causes some things for me as a grown up around what i require for safety security stability in my home environment
0: it's interesting <laughs> yes yeah
1: um, divorce can also be something for children in a um, family or even for the people going through a divorce. Um, interestingly, I've been through a divorce and it was not a traumatic experience for me. Very sad, hard, not necessarily traumatic. Whereas for other people, divorce is traumatic. And so what what I, the way I like to talk about this is, is that for any person who has an experience, small or big, so one of the things they talk about is little T and big T, big trauma, little trauma, is that only you really know whether or not something has been extremely distressing or destabilizing for you. And if you've had anything that's extremely distressing for you and has caused a lot of um destabilization in how you manage your emotions, how you interact with other people, your ability to show up for work and make money, pay your bills, that kind of thing. That's when it could be could, could be worth considering and looking at whether or not it was a traumatic thing. Uh, so that's, that's the way I like to describe it. People describe it all sorts of different ways, but I think that that's the probably simplest for here.
0: <laughs> yes. And, you know, just if I just shift this for a second through the lens of racism because at the time of this recording um the Atlanta incident where six Asian women were murdered um there was uh, there's been a ton of conversations like that I also participated in um you know during this really difficult time and there was a lot of um dismissal around it yes and the thing is um there came a point of like you don't get to tell me. No one gets to tell me what I deem as racist or not. And it's what you're saying about trauma, like through any lens, whether it's through the lens of race, through the lens of class, ableism, um, you know, sexual orientation. There's so many lenses that we can see trauma through and do experience these intersections with. And you know, it's up for us to decide. That's that's what I'm hearing from you is that we get to decide that, and we don't need to um, explain ourselves to anyone else how we're feeling that it like everyone needs to to agree that yeah okay yeah maybe you have experienced trauma like no it's something you get to decide and I think that's what's so important about creating these safe spaces where anyone who's experienced their idea of trauma that it's valid
1: yeah it's so incredibly important that people believe what you say is true for you right? And we're dismissed a lot. Um, We're told that, I mean, there's a lot of gaslighting that even goes on around um, whether or not someone believes something is true for you. And I really, really appreciate that you brought this element up around um, the way that different groups and people, especially marginalized identities, um, experience trauma because it is layered and it is Complex and it's really pervasive, but it's something that is not necessarily acknowledged or talked about that often, and is a really important thing if you're going to be a trauma sensitive provider or coach. You know, when I say provider, I mean service provider, that you're not dismissing a person's lived experience simply because you don't understand it. And I think that that sometimes people are just dismissive because they don't believe that it's true, but it may just not, you may just not understand it because it may not be your experience. I think white people do that a lot. Um, and so thank you so much for bringing that up because yes, we each get to decide how an experience is and impacts us. And when we try to talk about that and get support around it, people need to listen and need, they need to believe us because we're not going to f- make shit up right? Mm-hmm. Um, yes, there's maybe a fraction of people on the planet who tell stories that aren't true because, but that's like, it just doesn't happen. <laughs> it's not what people do. Like trauma survivors don't go around making stories up about themselves that, why would we do that? That would be horrible. Mm-hmm. You know, it's already bad enough to acknowledge the things that are hard for us, right?
0: Yeah. So. Uh, oh, I love that you you said that so, so much because it is so important And it's not like as well as the things you've mentioned, it's also some people may dismiss because they actually acknowledge it, but it makes them that uncomfortable that they don't want to talk about it. Um, I'm thinking of some very specific people in my life. Um, I I know that they actually understand what I'm going through because they've actually had a similar experience, but they don't want to bring it up. And I appreciate that. That's why whenever we talk about, anything in relation to trauma that there is um you know a disclaimer a warning and i know that in our first training because full, full transparency lisa she is my trauma sensitivity leadership mentor inside of her certification program and in our first training session uh, you shared you know um kind of the problem you see with trigger warnings can, can you talk about that as well <laughs> I can see you smiling. So you got some stuff to say. (laughs) Yeah.
1: So um, my certification program is called Ready. It's a grief, loss, and trauma-sensitive certification program for coaches. And um, I start the program by saying, by offering a trigger warning because there's so much stuff that we have to talk about and discuss as a part of education that really can bring stuff to the surface. And I typically attract people who have a history of trauma because people with a history of trauma are aware that it's important to be considered around, right? Uh, So it feels really important to me to always begin With a a trigger warning, this is going to potentially be triggering. I also set people up for, in the event that you have a history of trauma, you may need some additional support outside of this program as well, right? Because I could never know how deeply stirred things might get for a person. Just creating the content was triggering for me, right? So a trigger warning is designed to provide notice to a reader or a group of people around a subject or topic That could have explicit details about a traumatic situation or event that if a person reading it who's also experienced that could legitimately cause a trauma trigger. Okay. So what happens though, and this happens all the time in the personal development industry is people will write a Facebook post to try to get engagement. They put quote unquote trigger warning at the top, which literally translates to, you're just not going to like what I have to say. Right?
0: Yes. <laughs> yes.
1: Yeah. And so the way a trigger warning is designed to use, as you say, trigger warning related to miscarriage, suicide, suicide, sexual assault, traumatic loss, right? That is a way that a potential reader can can look and be like, okay, before I go any further, I can gauge how I'm doing in this moment if I have the emotional capacity or if I want to expose myself to that kind of information. Because anytime there's specific details that relates to a person's experience, the brain just automatically like replays an event. Right. And, and that is very triggering. And so it's like a a built in safety mechanism by saying trigger warning so that people know when they should, or if they can, or they want to opt in or out to whatever is the content. Right. Uh, Yeah. So that I have a whole, a whole thing about how frustrated I am that that happens
0: in the (laughs) personal development industry. So in order to prevent making that same mistake, what you're saying, what, what, what I'm gathering anyway, is that when you do use a trigger warning to provide a specific um, context to why it's why trigger warnings there, not just put trigger warning in like several asterisks, asterisks, <laughs> but not basically to put some context there so that people know what could be triggering and choosing for themselves whether to opt in or out. Because simply saying trigger warning, is not enough. Is that what you're saying?
1: Yeah. Because like for me, if I see trigger warning and there's something around miscarriage, I might pass on that. But if it's about kidnapping, I've never been kidnapped. So I'm not going to, that might be hard for me to read, right? Because I'm a tender, sensitive person, uh, empathetic, but I have never been kidnapped. So to be able to specifically relate to why it's interesting i've been working with a copywriter on updating my website and um she we were kind of going back and forth and and she asked me to share some information about like what makes me unique and different about my work and the truth is is that it's not just the fact that i have a degree in psychology a master's degree in social work that i have 10 years of clinical mental health experience and then code you know that stuff isn't really what makes me potentially, quote unquote, the right person for people to work with me, my trauma history is. So I know that my copywriter has a trauma history as well. And so I said, I would like to share some things with you, but I want you to know that this is going to be raw. I mean, parts of my life are really hard to witness, right? And so she said, okay, thank you these are the things that could potentially be hard for me to read about. Please give me a warning if you're going to talk about these things. So then I could, right? So I wrote it out. And then even in my correspondence with her, I got to the point where I said trigger warning. And so then she could like prepare herself, even just in our correspondence around what makes me unique is we write copy, right? So.
0: Mm. Oh, that's, I I love the care that you put into, um, you know, your correspondence with people who help you with your business, not just your clients, but everyone around you. There's so many layers of consideration. And, you know, I just want to say that um, being in your program, we've only just started, but I finally feel so, so, so validated and, finally like I belong somewhere because my sensitivity was always seen as a weakness never a strength and now being in this program I realize that this is where the gift is the layers of consideration that a lot of people won't go don't want to go or find it too inconvenient to go to so oh, I just, I just had to say that like mm, I, I yeah I you know how much I love and appreciate you so <laughs> okay so that's a note on trigger warnings um whether it's content outside or internal content between your team members and i just want to like before i i feel that this could escape our conversation if i don't mention it now so we talked about what trauma could be and how it's extremely personal and i would love to hear your perspective on how we can honor this word without diluting it because you know how like for the word authenticity for example right oh (laughs) or vulnerability even but it's mainly authenticity I think um like I think over the last couple of years um in the online marketing space at least you know there's been a huge surge of oh you need to be authentic and I completely agree I love the word and it's it still rings true however because so many people started using it and actually probably started misrepresenting what it meant it kind of diluted it and now when you hear authentic even though the word actually rings true for you it doesn't give you that same feeling it it, it kind of feels like at arm's length now so i'm curious like what can we do to honor that um without misrepresenting the word when we use it
1: yeah i love that you bring this up and um it's part of the reason why I have uh, I, f- I feel really strongly about even the way to use language, especially for coaches, um, which I'll, I'll describe here in just a minute. But to me, because of the way in which people experience trauma, I think it is important to name and claim it. Now, no, it took me a long time to be willing to say I'm a survivor right? I'm a survivor of trauma because I do not want to be a survivor. I do not want to have built this resilience that I have. I'm still kind of pissed about it sometimes if I really think about what it's taken for me to get (laughs) to this place in my life. I wish I didn't have to have gone through the things I've survived. Um, So I think that as we bring more awareness and as we tell the truth about what we're really dealing with and how it's actually impacting us um that's the place from which we can create change and even if we just think about systemic racism right we need to be telling the truth and listening to the truth. For me as a white woman, I want to hear the truth about what it is like for people of color, um, different marginalized identities, because I need to witness that. We need to know the truth because if we don't know the truth, we can't create change, right? So I do think that there's a really important thing around talking about what's true, but Uh, language can also be used incorrectly. And a lot of things get co-opted from different industries and different use. So one of the main mistakes that people make as they want to talk about awareness around trauma um, is to use the language trauma-informed. So from a marketing perspective... Yeah, from a marketing perspective and a copywriting perspective, and just a language usage perspective, saying trauma-informed makes way more sense, right? However, historically, the way that that word originated is in the mental health world, where in order to say you're trauma-informed... That means you're a mental health provider who has gone to extra layers of education, training, and credentialing to be able to safely provide healing modalities for people who have a history of trauma, who want to work around healing. So mental health providers, okay? So if you're not a mental health provider... And have these licensed credentialed things, and you're actively as a therapist working to help people heal their trauma, you literally can't be trauma-informed. <laughs> you mm. can be trauma-sensitive.
0: Yes. Yes. And I'm so glad that you brought this up because I remember when I was, when I was so excited that I signed on to the program that I started sharing um, how how it's important for us to speak about this and i got several dms um you know on instagram saying oh thank you so much for starting to do this work and i i made it very apparent to them i was like i'm not the person to heal the trauma i'm the person to understand how trauma affects each individual who i have the 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 fortune to be able to help Um, And then they told me some, um, some pretty disturbing stories, to be honest, where, um, you know, trauma seemed to, at one point, it seemed to be a trend almost, oh, yes, you know, I'm trauma informed. And then they would tell me about how a copywriter actually felt, oh, my husband is a, you know, is a therapist, so I can be trauma informed, right? Like, I'm informed of how trauma works. I'm informed um, what trauma could feel like. And again, that's not invalidating that comparative specific um, experiences because that's not what we're here to do. But knowing the important role we play and the distinction we must make in order to honour and accurately represent the difference between trauma-informed and trauma-sensitivity.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's a really common mistake. Um, the reason why I talk about this so openly is the the way that I learned is I got called out Um, my Mm -hmm. best friend is a therapist. And when I started talking about um, bringing attention to trauma within the coaching industry, I was saying trauma informed. And she literally like called me up one day and was like, dude, you're using the language wrong. And I was like, wait, what? No, I actually researched this. Like I Googled a lot of things because I'm teaching this and I didn't get it wrong. And what she helped me see is, is that when you Google this, every single thing you read out there is written towards mental health providers. So if you're just a consumer Googling the difference between trauma sensitive and trauma informed, because you can actually be a mental health provider or um, own a business that is trauma sensitive. And the distinction is actually providing services to heal trauma, right? So when I read it, I, cause I have a background in mental health So I had the bias in my lens because of my background. Mm -hmm. So I automatically was like, oh, of course I'm trauma-informed. No, it's not. That's not right. It's trauma-sensitive because even though I have a background in mental health, even though I have license and credentials, because I'm doing coaching, Mm -hmm. I can't call it anything else other than trauma-sensitive, right? Just from Mm -hmm. an accuracy standpoint.
0: Yes, and the accuracy is so important because a part of me, I'm always looking. So, because you know, there are certain words that they peak, they peak your interest because you know, your I think it's your reticular activation system. It that like you you're trained to filter and see specific words. So, the words that always come up for me now is visibility, podcast, and trauma. So, whenever I see it, like it, it's like it leaps off of the page or like in any podcast interview or a video that I'm listening to, like that's the word that, that resounds in my ears. And um, it's so interesting how this all comes to be. And so whenever I see trauma, like my, my eyes like dart towards it. And if someone is calling themselves uh, trauma informed uh, because, and I think, okay, I think it's important for us to also talk about um, being aware of how trauma affects you as a trauma survivor, And how that's different from being trauma informed, because I think the the phrase trauma informed is like, oh, I'm informed of trauma. I'm informed of how trauma affects people because I've been through it. And I think we can also shift and also include the conversation about trauma bonding as well. Oh, okay, we just got deep (laughs) deeper because you know.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well I really appreciate you bringing that up because. People who have a history of trauma can relate and do have understandings of things, right? We cannot dismiss that. That's really important. It doesn't equal actually having education and training around the way that trauma works for all sorts of different people in all sorts of different situations to legitimately claim trauma sensitivity, right? And that's why I'm such a huge supporter of of ongoing education. I mean, I had a master's degree and had worked in mental health for 10 years. And I did not fully understand the way even my own trauma was impacting me as an entrepreneur. Okay. So, in our entire like big wide world, because we're very uncomfortable with the topics of grief, grief, loss, and trauma, we're not getting education as a part of any of our regular systems of training, which is why it is important to actually get that additional layer. And right now um, being trauma informed, which of course is the wrong way to use it. Trauma sensitivity. It's a buzzword. It's like a sexy new thing for people to say that they know how to do because through COVID um, and the Black Lives Matter movement and now everything that's been going on since the murders in uh, Atlanta, um, we're more aware of the way in which trauma is working for people because it's just risen to the surface more, right? Kind of like when you talked about uh, vulnerability and being authentic. authentic. Yes, yeah. thank You're you. You're right.
0: It was a buzzword. I, that's, I couldn't pinpointed that. but Yes, carry on.
1: Yeah. So, so, um, being trauma sensitive, trauma informed, uh, that's right now it's a buzzword. And I think that it's really easy for people to be like, oh, well, I've experienced some really tough stuff. I get it. And they want their clients to know that Mm -hmm. they relate. Right. I think the desire to do that is I can relate to you because of whatever. Um, but it definitely is not enough to keep people safe as you work with them. And the reason why I, I have the stick around education is if you don't have education around it, you are potentially causing harm yes. likely accidentally yeah. because you don't really fully understand the way that it works for all people in all different sorts of situations.
0: Yes, absolutely. Because this is actually the precise reason why I signed up to the certification because I am very aware that, like, I'm, I'm hyper aware of myself, right, my experiences. I've had a lot of coaches, and now I'm also, I've also hired a therapist as well, just to help me process everything offline. And I really wanted to make sure that everything I do, everything I say, any work I do, is not purely a projection of my experiences onto other people. Because that as you said, it's so dangerous and it can cause so much harm. So I think it's important for us to kind of like, like the way that you're speaking about this, I'm thinking of it in layers. So layer number one is experiencing trauma yourself. And that often sparks hyper-awareness around trauma, how it affects you personally and how it could affect other people. Layer two, trauma sensitivity. Where you want to train and learn how trauma impacts others. So you go from your own self projection and understanding other people's lived experiences and how to hold them in that safe space, but not to heal them, knowing when to refer them to licensed professionals. Then layer three, I feel that it's like trauma informed when you are credible and qualified and licensed to be able to provide tools to heal that trauma. And then is there a layer after that? Because I've heard trauma trained as well. So, uh, you know, is there any nuances that we should know about that at all?
1: Oh boy. Um, (laughs) Yeah, the language, I mean, I think we could do um, a couple hours long podcast (laughs) just around language and use of language. Yeah. Um, So let's just stick with the three. Mm -hmm. Um, And I really love the way that you outline that. One of the things that I do want to add here though is, is that, Healing can occur for people outside of therapy. So therapy isn't the only place that a person can process their trauma, heal, and overcome. And especially for different groups of people and identities, they may not find, even if they find a trauma-informed therapist who has modalities around how to help a person heal and overcome trauma... They may not find that person safe because of race, because of gender, because of sexual orientation, because of whatever, right? So some people may not find therapy as the place that works for them to heal and overcome. There's so many different ways that we can heal and overcome. It doesn't just have to be in therapy. Um, There's a lot of amazing energy work, spiritual healing work, body work, and we've lost a lot of ancient traditions around healing as well. So I'll just kind of like put that out there because I I don't I feel like it would be a quite a white patriarchal thing to say the only place that you can heal and overcome is in therapy because that's just not true.
0: Yeah, I'm really glad that you brought that up. Thank you. So basically, what you're saying is that if you have experienced trauma yourself, that you know you don't necessarily have to go to a trauma informed person. There are you can diversify your own healing journey um, because i um, thinking about that like therapy is very new for me but I've done chakra healing I have done energy work done hypnotherapy I've done a lot of things and I'm always always learning like even just writing in my journal that's healing for me you know just to have a place where I feel safe to share my thoughts without judgment or fear that my experience wasn't real you know so thank you for for sharing that so so important so you know um and when I watched a live stream by Michelle Kim she has um she has a very strong voice especially when it came to the Atlanta shootings and just overall the work that we can do and she spoke to she spoke to this as well she said how um she currently had a therapist but she did say don't think that that's the only way that you can heal. Like not everybody has access. Like, so she was acknowledging her own privilege there. And like, I understand that I am in a position of privilege and um, to a degree that I'm able to hire a therapist, um, but there are so many different ways. So thank you for, for sharing that.
1: Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Some of the most important healing work that's ever happened for me has been in breath work or um, in a shamanic healing session, you know, doing work in the spirit realm and past lives. Of course, uh, you have to believe in that to have that work for you. Right. Uh, So yeah, those things are really important to bring up. And uh, there's a lot of options that people can access that may not need to be paid for. Right. So yeah, there's a limitation around um, that for sure from a privileged perspective.
0: Yeah. Oh, and that just reminded me. Oh, yeah, I did have an Akashic record reading. I also have done ayahuasca as well. So, so many different <laughs> ways have like you know got gotten me to this point where I feel strong enough to um, take that next level. But yeah, so trauma awareness, sometimes relived experience feels like l- layer one, layer two, trauma sensitivity. Where not only are you acknowledging your own experiences, but acknowledging other people's experiences in a way you're able to actually hold them in a safe space not claiming you can heal them um and the next level uh, trauma informed if you decide to go down the therapy routes that there are some people who do have the healing modalities to help you there but mm-hmm. at that point there is a whole uh is it plethora is, is that how you pronounce it yeah the whole plethora of you know healing modalities to help you um so oh so Oh, Lisa, I feel like I can speak to you for absolutely forever. And we know that to be the case from the history of all of our previous schools. And I guess what I would love to uh, bring this back to is like, what can we do to start with? Because we've, I think, like, it feels like I don't like the can of worms because I think worms are kind of gross, but I can't think of a better alternative right now for that analogy. It feels like we've opened the, the can mm-hmm. of X, Y, Z. Um, so, where can we start? Because it's like everything's up in the air. What can we do to ground ourselves right now in in our actions moving forward?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Quick clarifying question.
1: When you say um, for us right now, tell me a little bit more about what you mean. Do you mean as a coach, as a listener? Um, will you be a little bit more specific? Yes, of
0: course. <laughs> <laughs> um, so when I say us right now, because I know not everybody is a coach um i believe that well of course they're all human beings (laughs) who is listening right now um and they're all business owners to Mm. a degree so a lot of them are service providers and course creators and digital product Mm. sellers (laughs) um they're online business owners so i guess like what can we do as a collective to ensure that we do our part in honoring ourselves but also like what to look for um you know out in the space and knowing kind of like what to course correct even if they don't publicly call it out but to know for themselves that oh that wasn't quite right you know Mm -hmm. like what can we do there because I don't think um we're all in a position quite yet um you know to be able to host these conversations but like Mm -hmm. what can they do for themselves to safeguard themselves yeah from misrepresented information I think that's what I'm asking yes okay
1: (laughs) Yeah, so I think that the first thing is um, you know, understanding what it even means to be trauma sensitive and trauma informed. I think just listening along and starting to get into the nitty gritty around some of the things we've talked about, right? Um, ultimately being aware of these things and doing due diligence around getting some additional information as it's appropriate for your industry is going to be really helpful. And the reason why it's going to be helpful is, is it's going to help keep you safe and your clients safe. And I like to make this distinction because so many people who run businesses, I mean, if we just look at statistics alone, 70% of people experience traumatic events. I believe it's everyone, right? Whether or not we realize it is or not, I believe that it is. So well, at baseline, let's say 70% of people Um, So out of every 10 business owners, seven of us are going to have a history of trauma, which means we could be impacted by the way that our work is going, what we're bumping up against as we expand and grow. Um, We could be triggered and not realize we're being triggered. So the first piece around why trauma sensitivity is even important and adding some education and awareness around this, this is going to help keep you safe going to help you manage yourself better. That immediately is going to make you a better business owner and a better leader. So then secondly, keeping your clients safe, right? And I like to say as is appropriate for industry, uh, because somebody who is a course course creator is going to attend to things around trauma sensitivity different than say someone like me who specifically works with female business owners who have a history of trauma to move them through in a safe way so that they can continue to grow their businesses, right? Um, That would be a whole other level for other people like me. So discipline specific is important as well.
0: Mm, Yes. And I feel that okay that that blends like perfectly into my next couple of questions as we start to wrap up and I I feel like I'm pretty sure there will be a part two to this conversation and part three and part four because and beyond because this is never going to stop being important and I know I understand that I'm saying it's important because I recently acknowledged um I think Especially as I've gotten closer to you, um, you know, in our friendship as well, that I, oh yeah, I see visibility through the lens of trauma. You know, why some people just, it, even with the step by step strategy, they're still not implementing it. And, you know, commonly they would be said, they would be told, oh, it's just your imposter complex. Oh, it's just because you're not taking action. I'm like, no, I think there's something more there. And some people can absolutely run with the strategy and do it and get results. Fantastic but there's a whole other group of people who probably feel like they need to still be underground because they don't feel safe to, to surface yet. And I just want to really acknowledge you and the work that you're doing. And yeah. So, and I, I don't, we didn't mention this at the beginning, but I do want to highlight the fact that your trauma sensitivity leadership training for your ready program, it is, um, what would you say? Approved or certified it is basically the international coaching federation has approved of this as continuing education for coaches mm-hmm. so i feel that that really needs to be highlighted as well so like yes you have your experience but you've also had it approved from you know a governing body in a way and so much of the coaching industry is unregulated and this mm-hmm. is the closest that we have right now um to have some regulation. So i just really want to highlight that about you too
1: Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, In addition to that, and I'll say this just because I I feel like it's important. I also ran my curriculum by a therapist who does trauma, has done trauma therapy for 25 years Mm -hmm. to review my curriculum. And then I also hired a DEI expert to assist me in creating the curriculum because I I wanted to make sure that I was really considering all of those lenses because I even created it through a trauma sensitivity place. Right. So um, I love that. Yeah. It can get really nuanced in there around how all the different ways in which you can be sensitive. And one thing I keep thinking of that I really want to make sure to say is that um, part of the reason why I'm so passionate about this is, is that I think a lot of trauma survivors are attracted to um, entrepreneurship because it allows us freedom, allows us to create safety. Um, But if we're not realizing the way trauma is working for us, it could impact our ability to get our magic out into the world. And I believe that trauma survivors have really unique solutions to Mm -hmm. quote unquote problems that are happening. And that's why I want to talk about this pretty much everywhere I go is because we have such amazing lens that we see things through and we provide a lot of amazing solutions. Uh, And I just don't want that to be blocked
0: yeah i feel that i was literally thinking about that today (laughs) and that's again a whole other conversation um but just to kind of like uh put it into a nutshell feel that people who overcome adversity they have such unique wealth of experience even if it's personal experience to start with um you know and i feel that there's so many invisible webs in our lives they're so intricate they're so delicate think of the spider web that's the reason why you walk into it sometime it's because you don't see it but when it rains you see how beautiful it is and it's always been there but you just don't see it and I just feel that not to say it's a rite of passage that you have to go through adversity but I think that people who go through adversity naturally start seeing the webs Mm -hmm. and how it all interconnects together and how easily they can be broken and you know um, also how much work goes into creating those webs in the first place so Mm -hmm. i don't actually like spiders but i like what they create in the webs (laughs) but yeah i i completely completely agree oh lisa i feel like i can talk to you forever but i know i want to respect your time and i know this is not the last time we're going to be speaking about this so for those who are so inspired about what you can what you've been saying and want to learn more where can they go to find you do you have any resources that you recommend either and i am gonna like i'm advocating for you i've advocated before we even started but if anyone who wants to learn more about your ready certification for the next round um where can they go just tell us all the links and i'll pop them into the show notes
1: (laughs) yeah so the easiest and best way is just to go to my website which is lisakuzman.com l-i-s-a-k-u-z-m-a-n.com and um i highlight my program there so you i run the program once a year it's a 9 month program people can apply- come in. I have conversations with people and, um, I, I can start onboarding people at any time. Right. So that is the best way to find the information. If you're really curious to learn a little bit more, even about trauma sensitivity versus trauma informed and that language, or you want a resource to share with people, I have a really cool downloadable PDF explaining the difference that you can opt into on my website oh, yes. as well. Oh.
0: Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Okay. So make sure to put your website there and, um, you know, where, which social media platform are you the most present on and that you like having these uh, conversations with?
1: Mm, yeah. So, uh, Facebook is the, the main one, which is interesting because I'm kind of navigating over a little more to Instagram. It's funny how things change with where you want to be <laughs> on Instagram. I'm at coach Coos. And on Facebook, it's Lisa Kuzman. Um, and I, I use everything pretty much through my personal profile on Facebook.
0: So yeah, me too. <laughs> like I have not touched my business page for a long time <laughs> since my last ad last year. <laughs> yeah. Anyhow, okay. So I'll be sure to pop all the links to your website. I can't wait to download that PDF myself as well. So that's gonna be super exciting. Um, so Lisa, as we start wrapping up, I've got two final questions for you. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right, awesome. <laughs> so number one, what makes you a quiet rebel?
1: Oh, I feel tearful. I tell the truth, even if it's hard. <laughs> so I feel like that's like the number one way that I um, am a rebel and it's taken me a long time to find my voice. But the way that I feel like I'm creating change and I am a quiet rebel is because I just keep practicing telling the truth, right? The more I tell the truth, the clearer my truth becomes and the more truth I can tell. Wow, I didn't realize I'd get so emotional with that
0: question. (laughs) Mm. I just want to take a moment with you. Beautiful. Beautiful okay and my final question for you it's a little fun question I adore asking every single guest (laughs) so so my lovelies who are listening if this is your first time listening to this podcast you've picked an incredible episode to begin with this is what we do and if you're a frequent listener you know what's going to happen next so when you hear the sound It means it is time for a fact of the day. So, Lisa, you're in our—I don't like hot seat. warm chair? You know, <laughs> you're you're in the you're in the safe spotlight today, and I'd love to ask you what is one weird fact or a fun story about you that no one else knows on the internet.
1: Mm. Okay, so I love jimmy john's which is a sandwich place uh here in the u.s i'm not sure if they're in the uk or not um but my favorite place to eat jimmy john's my sandwich is in my car (laughs) by myself (laughs) by myself while i listen to an audiobook preferably sitting in a park
0: Hmm. so okay i had to know what what makes this particular because i don't think we have that brand in the uk um so what is it about this particular sandwich i need to know and i'm hungry like (laughs) that's why i'm asking i want the visual i want to live vicariously through you (laughs) eating this so what what what's so wonderful about the sandwich
1: you know um I just think it's good. What I really love is they make them fast. So that their slogan is they're freaky fast. So it's not so much about the sandwich, but it has more to do with Um, so, so I developed this when I was a social worker at the VA hospital, I would have to get into my government car and drive out to the veterans homes. And I had a teeny, teeny, tiny little office that had a window that looked into a brick wall. And it was like, it was so small that I could put my hands on both sides of the walls. Like it was a tiny room. And, I found that if I got in my government car and I got my sandwich, which was super fast, I could enjoy my lunch break with the windows down and the fresh air. So it really has more to do with just the, honoring of eating a meal that's really tasty, taking the time in a busy schedule, enjoying the fresh air. And then I love listening to books, but to me, it was always this little highlight of my day that I could have this little experience in my car. Nobody could bother me. People couldn't call me. Nobody was going to knock on the window where it was like uninterrupted joy of sandwich eating.
0: Oh, I love that. And, um, I, I had my favorite Subway sandwich like I'm a classic meatball marinara girl and it was just so good cuz I actually um I have the pro- okay no no you're right that I have um actual meatballs because there's also a um a plant a plant version of it now right um, losing my words um, and one time when I ordered the sandwich it was the plant version and I felt I, I was like where's my meat (laughs) and then uh last week um after probably about a month after having the the meatless meatball marinara um i had the the full-on beef version and i was like oh my soul is complete so (laughs) i can appreciate the ritual that that was for you because when you described it i I just envisioned it myself as such a really nice place to be just to enjoy and be present with yourself and on your own terms like in the park in your car with the wind blowing through with a delicious meal so oh, i love that thank you so much for sharing yeah. <laughs> i think we're all gonna have sandwiches after this <laughs> after this podcast episode so lisa as you know i love and appreciate you so much thank you so much for being my friend for being my mentor and being my guest today mm-hmm. um and i'm so honored to be learning from you and i think i can speak for my listeners right now that if they're at this point in the interview that wow, like <laughs> this is serious stuff that we can work through together, not alone. And I can't wait for them to connect with you. So, I pop all the links to your website, to your Facebook, to your um, Instagram so they can connect with you and potentially work with you. So, thank mm-hmm. you so much.
1: Thank you, it's a, a true joy and an absolute privilege and honor for me as well to be your friend your mentor and to be your guest on the show
0: and so my lovely there we have it so everything that we mentioned in today's interview will be popped into the show notes so be sure to head for that link and if you haven't done so already i would so love it if you could subscribe to this podcast because that way you don't miss a single episode and another conscious conversation and of course, if you feel cool too, I would so appreciate it if you could leave a rating and review because that really helps other Quiet Rebels find us. Oh my goodness. Okay, another great episode. And so I will be back same place, same time next week for another episode of the Quiet Rebels podcast. So until then, my lovely, do take care and bye for now.